Coaches, welcome to the United Basketball and Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Smith. I also want to let you know about United Basketball Plus, unitedbasketballplus.com. It's our one stop for basketball resources, skill development, thousands of plays, fast model playbooks, sports psychology, past coaching clinics, including our Hoosier Gym Coaches Clinic, and much more. Oh, almost forgot our deep dives. We have over 50 deep dives and we are adding several a month from here on out, and we have a great lineup of deep dives. They would cost you $29.99, $39.99 a piece. You can get it all for $50 a year or $6 a month. Go to unitedbasketballplus.com, use the code CLINICS for a 15% discount, and get a full year for less than $5 a month. You can't beat that deal. I'm excited for our guest today, Jason Reuter, who just won his second state championship as the leader of the Bradley Central Barretts basketball team right here in Tennessee, not far from where I'm located in Chattanooga. It's a very good conversation, very historic conversation about the history of basketball in Tennessee, how we evolved from the three-on-three in the late 70s to where we are today. And Jason does a great job with his basketball team, one of the most successful coaches in my part of the country. Coaches, I can't wait for you to hear this guest. Again, thanks for joining us. Coaches, I want to welcome Jason Reuter to the podcast. Just uh, comes off winning his second state championship in uh, Tennessee. Uh, Coach, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate being a guest on your podcast. Yeah, this is this is a lot of fun. I don't honestly have a ton of championship coaches on the podcast. We all want to be there, and I've been blessed to have a few even at the college level. But before we get rolling, you're the head coach at Bradley Central, and they have a very storied historic program. Even before you uh, become the head coach and you won your, stec- your second state championship there, take a minute just to educate the listener about Bradley Central in general and just the history um, of their girls' program o- over time. Sure, Matthew. I'd be glad to do that. Uh, you know, I wasn't born and raised here. I'm, I'm originally a, a Kentuckian. I came to Lee University in the uh, mid eighties and my wife's from, from Bradley County here. So I met her at Lee university, but I've did my research. I've been at Bradley 25 years. I've taught for 30 years, but uh, uh, I've coached basketball every year. Uh, I coached, I was a boys assistant for uh, hard to believe 17 years. And uh, I've been the head coach of the Barrett's for the last 13, but the last 25 at Bradley. So the history of Bradley central, it's one of the, it may have, uh, because of its startup date, 1916 was the first Bradley Central High School. Uh, I've heard some older generational people mention, you know, it could have more graduates than any any high school east of Nashville because of its age. You know, I, I don't know if anybody's researched that. You know, there's Dobbins Bennett, there's some older schools, but it's a historically large school. We're about 1,730 kids this year. Uh, we play in the highest classification, uh, 4A basketball. But when you get back to the history of uh, girls basketball, Bradley Central is the uh, – this is documented. Now, there's a guy named Gary Owenby who came out with a uh, – he spent two years and wrote a uh, kind of a coffee table – I don't know, it's a 150-page book with all the records of girls and boys basketball. So we are officially the most – we have the most wins of any high school – girls program in the state of Tennessee. And, and of course, a lot of that is because we've been around so long. Right. But uh, all-time winning percentage, now I'm all, you're going to throw me off there a little bit. Uh, there was a guy named Jim Smitty who coached at Bradley Central. Uh, he took over in the 50s, and I think he stepped down in 91. But he had uh, – his overall record was 1,214 wins. Uh, like 980 of them are coaching the Bradley Barrettes. He coached at a smaller school called Charleston, which is 10 miles north of here, Bradley County also. But, mm-hmm. so you know, we're, we're a suburb in a way of Chattanooga here, and we touched the Georgia line. And uh, uh, when you seven state championships, uh, 1962, 1970, 1973, 1975, and 1976. And uh, we have uh, won the 2019 as I've been during my time, and we won it uh, this year, obviously 2023. The 75 and 
76 team. Now, girls basketball was three on three until 79. Mm -hmm. uh, the, we were next to the last state to go five on five. And I've heard from some, some of the older hats around the community that you got to remember there was a young lady taking over the Tennessee program, which I don't even, they didn't even give scholarships when this lady took over. You may have heard of her, Pat Summit. Yeah, it rings the bell. I've heard, I've heard it. Jim Smitty and Pat Summit went nose to nose, toes to toe over this five on five versus three on three. She's and obviously she was right. She was like, look, the girls in Tennessee are getting a disservice. The collegiate game is five on five. We're playing three on three. We need to be prepping them for collegiate basketball. Of course, Jim Smitty had won five championships playing three on three mm -hmm. and twelve hundred wins when he retired. Of course, but this battle with Pat Summit was, I can imagine, was going on in the uh, early seventies, maybe you know, mid seventies. So. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, she uh, obviously they they uh, the uh, state legislator legislators here in Tennessee uh, voted on this and they forced uh, the TWSAA to go five on five in '79. Iowa was the last state, I believe, in '81. So, you know, guess what? I've heard some people uh, kind of make you know, well, it was three on three, whatever. That's guess. Just Smitty was the master of three on three. Mm -hmm. And me and you had won five state championships and he had won 1,200 games at this point. We would have been fighting for three on three because we're winning. Yeah, so, absolutely. We have also, uh, Matt, we have, uh, uh, there's four classes now. We used to be three until last year and we went, added four. Uh, we could debate that all night, but we had the most, Bradley Central Barrett's had the most state tournament appearances. It's a little different than it is in Georgia. State tournament here is eight. You final oh, eight. Yeah, Georgia's uh, 32. 32. And uh, when I took over the Barrett's, I was going to uh, – where was I going? Fort Walton Beach, first year as the head coach of the girls. And we were playing a team named Stars Mills. Mm -hmm. Peachtree City, maybe? That's right. I, I looked them up online and uh, – they had been to like four out of the last five state tournaments. You know, it's my first year coaching the girls. I want to do well. I'm, I'm, I'm like sweating. I'm wringing my hands. Like I'm playing a team that's been in four of the last five. No offense. Then I found out it's 32 teams. Yeah. And at that point, I think it was six classes. Mm -hmm. We had three and only eight make it. So all it is is verbiage. On the, it like, is. Just verbiage. You know, right. So. Because Tennessee, remind me, it's been a little while since I've coached in Tennessee. You go district, region, and then is that called sectional or sub-state before you get – how do you work, work your way down? Sub-state, yeah. So you got a district tournament, then you have a region tournament, and then the region – there's eight regions across the state in each class. So you have a region winner, and they don't rotate. There's a lot of debate about this, Matthew. Maybe we should rotate these. Region one's always paired up with region two. Mm -hmm. Three's with four. Five's with six. You, you follow me? Seven's with eight. Yep. So if you win your region, you have something we call a substate here. Some call it the sectional. I think officially they've changed the name to the sectional. But if you win your region, you have to play the runner-up. For our example, we're region three. We're matched up with region four every year. So the runner-up comes to your house for what we still call a sub-state in my mind for a one-game showdown for the final eight to go to Murfreesboro, mm -hmm. to MTSU. So uh, ironically, there's all that history at Bradley Central I just told you about. Most all-time wins, uh, most state tournament appearances. We've been in 33. Mm. That's the final eight in 33. Uh not the most championships. We have seven. I think Shelbyville has eleven. Guy named Rick Enzel, who's still coaching at MTSU, by the way, coached my daughter. My oldest daughter played there. Uh, so, you know, you could debate that. You know, I've been a Kentucky boy. I used to think you could lose too many times. You could actually lose in the district. You can lose in the region finals, and you can go on the road in the substate and win. I always used to think that was too many losses. Mm -hmm. But you know what? Uh, we happen to be paired up with, if you look at all-time 
all-time uh, dominance, it's Middle Tennessee with yep. Shelbyville. Then in recent years, you've had Riverdale and Blackman's. So that's the region we're paired up with every year. And there's no running from them. There's no – when you rotate it, you know, there's been debate. Won't you take the four over here and rotate them, take the four on the west and rotate them? So there's been a lot of years we've played in that substate, Matt. I've been blessed. I'm going to knock on some wood around here. My 13 years, we've played in 12 substates. So we've won the region 12 times. Mm. We won the district all 13. But in those 12, we lost in the, we lost in the region semis once in double overtime with a little freshman who was about as big as round as my index finger here. You may have heard of a Ryan Howard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rings she a bell. Yeah, she was a freshman, and uh, I'm so blessed in my 13 years. That's the only time we didn't win the region. So all 12 of my sub-state games, I'm letting a little, a little information out. I probably should be leaving out, Matt, but everyone I've played has been right in Jim Smitty Arena at Bradley Central. Mm-hmm. So we're eight and four. There's been times that the runner-up has came down to Cleveland to play us, and they're claiming – we're the second best team in the state. We got the national champion Riverdale in our district and we're black. They got us ranked number four, but we think we're number two. So there's been a lot of years we've played teams and I'm the region winner, but the team coming into my gym has been maybe the favorite Hmm. because of the Mecca in middle Tennessee with girls basketball. But it's came back down to earth a little bit. There was a, let's see, there was a, uh, there was a four-year span where Riverdale, let's see, Riverdale, Riverdale Blackman, they were named national champions. This is by USA Today and ESPN. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's mythical, right? It's mythical. Right. But anyhow, just to give you a little history of what we're up against. And, uh, of course, at Bradley Central, you don't run from anyone. So you go play the best and, you know, you just uh, – that's the standards here, and I'm blessed to be at a place where girls' basketball is pretty pretty mm-hmm. relevant. And, and this year's team, so you won the championship in 2019, won it again this year. This year's team was 35-1. and one. You beat Bartlett uh, 58-49, but you had a, a buzzer beater versus Bearden, correct? And was it Bearden who had 57 consecutive wins? I may be off of my numbers a little bit. but You're right. Yeah, you're right. I didn't know that number. Uh so we talk about that run, those last yeah. few games. You played some really you – know, just getting out of the, the region and the sub-state. Then when you, once oh, you yeah. got to MTSU, you had a tough road to hoe there. The Cle- uh, Our district was at Cleveland this year, and uh, we played them in the finals. And Cleveland had a really, really nice team. They, they got beat in the sub-state. They lost us in the region finals. They went to Blackman and lost, but uh, – so we beat Cleveland in the district finals in their gym. That's our crosstown rival. That's Alabama Auburn. That's mm-hmm. down here. Yeah, and Coach still, Williams does a Coach Williams is still there, correct? Yes, yes. He does, he, yeah, he does a great job. Yes, and uh, uh, so we win the district, and then we play Shelbyville uh, in the first round of the region at home, and uh, we were overmatched. We had, you know, I think we won by fifty, and then we played Warren County, who was been in the top 10 in and out all year. They played a really tough schedule. This was like their year to, if they're going to make a run, we beat them 61-53 in the semifinals. You got to make you lose, you're done. And then we played Cleveland in again for the fourth time. <laughs> uh, fourth time, yes. And we beat them 59 uh, to 32, mm-hmm. which is pretty convincing, 27-point win. So that allowed us to play at home in the sub-state against Stewart's Creek. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're out of uh, Smyrna. Yeah. Just to me and you, now you can't tell when you leave Murfreesboro, Nashville now. So that is in uh, the same county as Murfreesboro. It's north of Murfreesboro by five miles. But Sturge Creek came in here as the runner up and uh, they lost to Blackman. We beat Sturge Creek 61 34. That's a very unusual sub state score mm-hmm. 27 points. That's not normal. They're usually tighter than that. And then we go out to Murfreesboro. It's a blind draw. I don't know how you guys do it in Georgia. But we used to actually go to – we used to go up the Saturday after the substate and meet at a hotel conference room, and they would do the old-time lottery. You know, Bradley Central is 
ball number three. Then they put them back in, which was probably overkill. Like me and you are zooming today right now talking. <laughs> right. Uh, but it, all it added was transparency to the state right. tournament. Yep. So now they don't do that. And guess who's ranked number one? Beer. And mm-hmm. guess who's ranked number two? Bradley Central. And we're playing in the opening round. Doesn't sound fair, does it? Yeah, no, that's the debate I've always heard with Tennessee is, you know, that you could have the two best teams easily facing. Georgia has it set up where certain regions and you're going to be matched up. Um, It's already predetermined, the bracket, but again, the 32-team bracket that goes down. But, yeah, I mean, the blind draw there, the best two teams can see each other like like you guys did. And Beard had won 57 consecutive games. They did. Uh, I think until they met you. Until they met us. I think last year Bearden was hands down. They won state championship, and uh, I think the best team won it. You know, I can tell you all that you've heard this and you've seen it. The best team doesn't always win it. Like right. I know this is a bigger moment. Like we could take the NCAA men's or women's. A little more likely than women's. You know, like Pat Summit's days and Gino there at UConn, but. Whoever wins this men's championship, if you if you drew it up again and played it the same way, probably would not win it if you played it again. But Bearden was the best team in the state last year, hands down. And then they came into our game, uh, whatever you uh, – 30-something oh, and oh, and we had a big lead. Matt, we were up – I think we were up 15 at one point in the third quarter. But as good teams do, they found a way to will it back. You know, they got it to nine. They got it to – into the uh, third, I think we're up eight. They cut it to six. They cut it to four. We went down and took the last shot with a tie game. Uh, and we had the ball, and I called a timeout with about 15 seconds left. And uh, we wanted – either we wanted to hit the game winner, as you well know, or get a chance for a put back. You don't want to foul. I've got two seniors fouled out. I've got two my, – both my captains are fouled out, so – as luck would have it, uh, a senior who come off the bench for me, who broke her foot this year, who tried to come back three times, Erica Swick. We get it in, we pass around. She drives baseline. She shoots a air ball from about 12 feet, but it was the best air ball I've ever seen. It went right over the rim, and Harmony Ware nudged in a sophomore and grabbed it and laid it in mm-hmm. at the buzzer. And of course, there's jubilation going. I wasn't thinking about Beard and Streak. I'm thinking now who we're going to play in the semifinals. And uh, we took on Cookville. You had a day break. Uh, do you guys play all your classes at the same place? No, they, they break them around. They'll play in Atlanta. They'll play in Macon. They may, may even play some money on Valdosta. So they'll play the girls and boys in the same three or four days and they'll play all day long starting on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and all the championships are over. So yeah, I know we don't use one venue like you guys do with MGS for the girls there. And and the boys play and the boys play a week later. Correct. Week later. Yes. Yeah. And so, so now that you have four classes, two years of this, the first teams play on Tuesday rather than Wednesday. So we, our division was split. Four teams played on Tuesday night and four played on Wednesday morning. I, you think well, you'd want the Tuesday to give a more of a break, but you, didn't, you don't play the semis till Friday. So for me, logistics and traveling, I wanted the Wednesday game. Mm-hmm. It still gives you a day off. Right. You're not up there. You know, living in a hotel for five nights can wear you out. It can. And we're two hours and five minutes, ten minutes from Murfreesboro. And, uh you know, it wasn't so much about the money. Uh, it costs a lot of money to go. I mean, to state tournament and stay five nights, you know, lodging and food. And we're not eating at McDonald's here. You know, I'm not, you know, we're going to nice restaurants. These girls work really hard. And we're lucky to have uh, a lot of support here at Bradley Central. But so this is new territory. I didn't, we did not go last year. Uh, we got beaten a substate in overtime. So we went back this year and we, I think our team went to, with the purpose to win it. Somebody asked me after the game, I'm getting ahead of myself, but uh, we went on to beat Cookville by 16 in the semis. Uh, you know, somewhat of a bigger margin than you expect in the final four mm-hmm. in the largest class. And then then you had a, one day, you played the very next day against Bartlett. And uh, gosh, Bartlett is athletic. They're big. They got a six, 
five post that's going to North Carolina State. Uh, Bearden had a six three post that's going to Florida State. Hmm. Uh, Bartlett is just bigger than us. Uh, they didn't really dwarf us, but they were just bigger. They come off the bench with a six two girl, and we start six foot five eleven, five ten. Five six, five seven, mm-hmm. and uh, you know on paper they look, you know the more you know I, we have pretty athletic bunch. I'm just saying my first five. There's some people that say the first five I put out there this year could be the best team that's played at Bradley in the five on five era. I'm not going to say that because I didn't coach them all, and I'm not going to say that to one of my other teams. Number one, right. 2019. You know, you're going to, I've got asked by reporters in the post game, which one was better. I'm like, you're never going to hear me say that. That, that would be so, that'd be like telling one of your children, which one you love the most. You know, they're right. both special in their own way. Mm-hmm. The first one, because it's your first one. The second one, uh, gosh, this, this kid, this bunch went 35 and one and uh, took on all comers. We started a freshman, Kamora Fields. In the post, who was named MVP, wow. the state channel. Yeah, so this girl is as good with her feet and hands as any post player I've coached coming out of middle school. And uh, I said, you know, we sent Brooke Copeland to Florida. My own daughter went to Middle Tennessee. Uh, you know, uh, she's even said herself, I don't know if I'm going to grow anymore. I think she's maybe peaked out at, at 5'11, 5'11 and a half, but she just, Matt, she just uses her body so well in her hands. She's kind of a Charles Barkley type player, you know, in the girls' game. So, needless to say, MVP of the district regular season. That's a seven-team large class. She was MVP of the district tournament. Harmony Ware, a sophomore, was MVP of the region tournament. And then we went to the state tournament. Camorra Fields took on a, a 6-3 Florida State senior from Bearden and a 6'5 hmm. North Carolina State uh, uh, going to play for Westmore, as you know, Westmore. Yep. And uh, gosh, she didn't just hold her own. She outplayed them. So I, I don't want to, I don't want to leave kids out here. I'm, I'm, I'm putting a lot of love towards Kamora. She led, led us in scoring, led us in rebounding, but this was truly a five girl starting five that, that people had, you know, you couldn't box them on us. You couldn't triangle two. We had the shooter in Avery Brewer. She's a five-six shooter, sophomore. So we got the Ware kid coming back, who's I just told you is best post player I've ever had come out of middle school. And then you got uh, Harmony Ware, sophomore, who was All-State Tournament, Region Tournament MVP. And you got Avery Brewer, who's All-State Tournament and uh, All-Region, All-District. And she shoots it really well. Now we're losing two starting seniors. Hannah Jones, who's six foot, who runs like a deer. She turned down a few bigger offers. She's going to Johnson University, which is in Knoxville. You may not be familiar with that. Yeah, I'm familiar. I had a, I had a kid from Hickson who went there and played for for a year. And they've really improved their facility. I think the old, uh, the old Brian assistant coach, or was a head coach, took that job. And let me give you three reasons why you should get a Dr. Dish. First of all, it works. Statistics show that are tracked by Dr. Dish that users that put up over 10,000 reps per month can show up to a 10% increase in their makes. So if players will be committed to it, they will see increase in growth. Secondly, over 200 drills and workouts come with the Dr. Dish, and these are done by the top trainers and coaches in the game. So when you hear me say it's like getting another assistant coach, it's like getting multiple assistant coaches. And lastly, it is affordable. Coaches, I run a program. I know every penny matters. Dr. Dish, you pay 50% up front and you have the next year to pay the other 50% with no interest. So reach out to Dr. Dish, mention this United Basketball podcast and get $300 off. Now, back to the podcast. You're right. He was assistant and he was head coach for one or two years and he left Brian for this job. I've not yeah. been there yet, but my point guard, Sloan Carpenter, who was our facilitator, she started she started for me in the region semis of her freshman year. Elimination game. 
Hmm. Our point guard blew her knee out in the game before. So she's been starting since the region semifinals of her freshman year. We played 36 games this year, Matt. She had 32 turnovers. Whew. Less than one a game. Uh, averaging 23.4 minutes per game. So uh, our leading minute girl is Harmony Ware at 23.7. Uh, I only played six in the semifinals of the state. I only played six in the finals. And you may be thinking, gosh, do you not have any more depth than that? But I'm not saying I made the right decision, but the outcome was good. Okay, so <laughs> we're, we're deeper than that, but we just didn't have to uh, – there's things like in that championship game a lot of people wouldn't know, and they just started this a few years ago, Matt. They have built-in media timeouts at the under a five-minute mark in every quarter, and it's not just a regular timeout. You, you coach enough high school ball everywhere we go. It's blow the whistle, let's go. First whistle, let's go. Yep. Almost. Well, these are two-and-a-half-minute timeouts. Wow. Kids aren't getting tired. Yeah, so it, it, the benefit was for us. That's how I could play six. You knew every quarter you had a two-and-a-half-minute timeout coming beside your own five. So that benefited us. Uh, TWSAA made money off commercials, and uh, we got to drink a little water and, and, and talk a little bit. And uh, so, you know, I know I've been rambling on here. Uh, you just point me in any direction you want to go. I've named my starting five. Yeah. Well, Those kids are going to – our school is still – we've been on spring break this whole past week. So uh, needless to say, we are in a celebration mode. Like kids, you know, when the state tournament's over, you know, we're this one big family of, of players and coaches, but we kind of went our own way. Yeah. You know, I got kids going to Panama city. I got kids going to grandma and grandpa's and wherever. And uh, I got, so we got back together today. We went in front of the county commission, and they did a proclamation. Uh, we're on the local radio station at 7.15 in the morning. Uh, I'm taking three of my starters, Kamora, Hannah, Kamora Fields, Hannah Jones, Harmony Ware. I'm taking them to Chattanooga Times Free Press for photos for mm -hmm. the all-area team. And yep. then I'm on Sports Talk 102.3. Yeah, with, with, with Quake and Cowboy, right. huh? We're there at 3.30. <laughs> Uh, we're going to do a celebration Friday at the school, kind of like, uh, you know, county commissioners and school board. And, and then we're going to the state capitol on April 3rd. So uh, needless to say, it's there's a lot of uh, – I was assistant coach with the boys there at Bradley, and we, we lost in the finals twice. Hmm. And this is we're still one of my best friends, Kent Smith. He retired uh, from teaching a couple years ago, but – the difference between winning a silver ball and a gold ball is about 300 phone calls more and people that you haven't heard from in years. And also you see a lot of people, you know, in 19, when we won it, it had been 40, do the math there, Matt, what is 76 to 19, 40, 45 tonight to 2023, 19, 2019. Uh, oh, that'd be what? 43 years. Yep. Yep. Uh, when we won it in 19, you know, there's, there's players that looks like people's grandmothers now, but they're coming. They were on the 75 team or 76 team yeah. or the 73 team. And they're, you know, they've been waiting 43 years to see another one. And, don't ever take it for granted. It's harder to stay on top. And you may be saying, what do you mean? You just won every district you've coached, you've won. We've won 12 of 13 regions. Uh, we've been to, you know, won two gold balls, two final fours, and besides that. And you say, well, this sounds like a foolish statement, but, man, it's harder to stay on top than it is to get there. Mm -hmm. If I hadn't had players come in, like Ryan Howard, when she came in, we had no seniors. Okay, she moved to Bradley County. We started. We had no seniors in the program. Ryan Howard basically saved my career and kept our program, you know, so we go in her career. I forgot what we were, something ridiculous, like 
two and 10, even though we didn't win a gold ball, we were in the mix of sophomore year. We were two final fours last, we lose by two points in a final four. We got a one point lead with 10 seconds left. There's a bang, bang foul call. You know, you've seen it. So, you know, I've had people ask me, you know, you had the best player that maybe has ever suited up. I'm going to just say the best player I ever coached, Ryan Howard. And obviously the WNBA agrees with me. The number one, number one draft pick, the number one draft pick last year. But we did not win it until the year she left. And that just goes to show you, you could, Matt, you could have the best team you've ever had at Gordon Lee and not win the championship. And you could come along with a team. Like I said, there's been three years of my 13 years coaching the Barretts that the national champion was in Middle Tennessee, the national champion. So it's about timing. It's about luck. You make your own luck by hard work, but it's about, and let's make no mistake, it's about players that come through your program and just how coachable are they going to be and how hard are they willing to work. Uh, and uh, I've, I've not seen a good – anybody who's labeled a good coach – has had good players, or they're just not, they're just not going to be labeled that. And it's not, you say it's not fair. It's just the way it is. Right. The man, the man with the best, best, you know, you don't take a donkey to the Kentucky Derby, right? Right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. It, it helps when you've got kids there who are talented and skilled and coachable, and I'll bring those intangibles to the table. And that kind of leads me to what I want to ask next. I mean, because again, you, you cover the history of Bradley, Central, the Bears basketball, going back to Coach Smitty and seven gold balls and where you're at. But how do you keep the standard? Obviously, you have good players. You, you've addressed that. But it, it's got to be more like how does the standard just stay so high in the girls' basketball program for decade after decade after decade, regardless if it's three-on-three three or five-on-five, five, new coach, three-A right. or four-A? What What do you think that is? I mean, That's what a good question. I get asked that. You know, even though I'm not a graduate of Bradley Central High School, I'm a, I know my history, you know. You know, I, I know my history, and I think it's important to know your history. And, uh, uh, you know, that's something that I've said since I've taken over the program and once we were established my own philosophy. And I, I, was, I was, you know, I could, you may think, well, why were you assistant coach so long? Well, my wife's from Cleveland. I'm coaching, I'm assistant coach for 11 years at Bradley and we we went to five state tournaments and we've got the final game twice. Uh, it's a good community to live in. I just, I got contacted a few times about leaving, but I just never took it serious because it was a bad job. There's just a lot of bad jobs out there. So you ask me, what's the secret? First of all, there's just, I think Bradley Central has, on, on top of being the most all-time wins, you just don't see a lot of dips. I mean, yeah, you see areas where they didn't win a district for five or six years. And I will have to confess, it's not like I'm being a martyr here, but the year before I took over the Barrettes, they had a losing record. It was not horrendous. Uh, it was like 15 and 17. And then I had two tall freshmen come in that were uh, – uh, my daughter, that's why I'm coaching girls. I had two daughters. I switched over. I never dreamed I'd be coaching girls basketball until God gave me two daughters and and they asked me to take over the program. So uh, so I had a girl named Brooke Copeland who ended up being 6'1", and my daughter is 6'2 and a half. So when they came in, they immediately made an impact. And then I had uh, some, even though that team was 15 and 17 the year before, there were some there was about three good seniors that were are going to be seniors. So I think girls basketball has from the get go has been kind of big here in Bradley County. This is a place where uh, uh, I heard Andy Landers say this once, you know, who Andy Landers is yeah. retired Georgia former coach. Georgia coach yep. from Tennessee. My first few years I was at Meigs County <clears throat> in Decatur, but he was there recruiting a girl, and uh, I may offend someone for saying this. I hope not. He's from Tennessee. I think he went to Tennessee Tech. 
you know, he said the difference in me recruiting a girl here in Tennessee, there's a good chance that her mother played and also her grandmother. He said a lot of times when I'm recruiting a girl in Georgia, it may not go back that far. So I guess what I'm saying is I don't know the history of girls basketball. I don't know Georgia's. That's coming from a Hall of Fame Division One coach. Now that was 26 years ago, mm-hmm. Matt. He just said, you know, I think Bradley just has that that in the blood in the DNA. Like, you know, my grandma played here. My mom played here. Yeah. So and girls grow up, and those first and second, third grade girls go to your game, and they they can't wait to their able to try out wear that uniform one day yeah. like that's part that's that's and you, a lot of schools don't have that type of culture and community or they're so saturated with so many schools you know like chattanooga's for example just so many schools there so yeah i mean you're you're something that they they want to play and be a part of that um and obviously you're very you're very successful but kind of you know you alluded to this and i don't know do you know um you may not know him uh gene durden at buford yeah i know who gene durden is okay well gene's a friend of mine and he's been on the you know podcast and clinics for me a couple times but he talks about like you just can't take like a great coach and move him to another school it doesn't always transfer there right like you've got to be the overall community you know, you can't change the culture of a community, for example. So uh, he's in a great community at Buford. You're in a great community there. Obviously, your school is older. Um, but you just can't – like, if you, if you took another job somewhere else, and they say, well, he's won all these district championships. He's going to do it here. It might not transfer with the type of kids in the community and, and the support system. Absolutely. I mean, you know, even at even a place like Bradley Central, you know, if it just – all it takes is like, that's why I said it, it's harder and you're, but we've stayed on top. But I can tell you that I've been very fortunate. I've been very lucky with key players coming in at the right time. Uh, you know, as good as this team is that I had this year, you know, we we're ranked in the top four all year long. I think we finished max prep. Well, then obviously with the number one 4A, there's a school called Webb School in Bell Buckle, who's Max Kreps' number one team. They've got international players. Uh, so Max Kreps were the number two program. If Kamora Fields doesn't come along, it's having the right players at the right time. If this freshman doesn't come along and buy in and the rest of this team, they didn't just welcome her in. They're like, come on, let's help, help us win this. You're what we're missing. You're the piece of the puzzle we're missing. So uh, could a good coach, can he get buy-in? Maybe. Can he just snap his finger and get talent? No. And you're right. Uh, uh, you, you have to have good coaches and good players to win. And, uh, you know, I, I could say a guy could go somewhere and if, he, if he's willing to stay, he might change the culture. But you're talking a long Long, it could be, you know, we've got a great uh, park and rec elementary league here that kids play for their county schools. And that's been going on since I can remember. Uh, So you've got, you've got kids, like you said, from the time they're second grade on up They're you know, we got three high schools in this county and they're all in the largest classification. The two county schools is Walker Valley and Bradley, and then you've got Cleveland. But uh, uh, it, it has to be a cultural thing, I think, that, you know, you've seen these schools that will pop up and they'll be good for two or three years. And then they, you know, I, I don't care to tell you this. I've been spanked twice in my career by a program. And we played them in Naples, Florida in the max prep shootout. And we're playing them, let's see, maybe we won our first game. So and then we're playing in the second game. It's a three-game tournament. And these are nationally ranked teams. And this is 2000 and uh, this was after Christmas in 2019. So 19 the year they got cut short here by COVID at the end. I'm playing a team, and they they embarrassed us. And we, we don't get beat like this. We got beat by 27, 28. And uh, – I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really very, I'm really upset. I've never had a, that's the worst loss I think I've ever had. And 
And it happens to be a school that you may be familiar with. And they've gone and they end up going 36 and 0. And they end up being ranked number one in the nation. And it's called Westlake High School. You ever heard of Westlake? They were, and then they, I mean, they just beat the brakes off of us. But they went on to be the number one team in the nation, hypothetical. And I see they do, next year they do, I kind of keep up with them. They kind of do it again. Well, I, I looked, somebody, my assistant coach about three weeks ago said, well, that Westlake team, it, you know, my assistant coaches have been with me for 10 years. I've got two of them. Amy Tinsley and, and Keith Freeman. I think that's another thing we, we didn't hit on about continuity. And you got so many people getting in and out of coaches. Imagine yeah. having two, two assistants for 10 years. Yeah, that's rare. That's, Almost that's, unheard of. Yes. So it tells you we got a pretty good thing going on. But uh, one of my assistants said, hey, that Westlake team, man, said they've fallen off the map. So I'm not making light of Westlake. I'm just trying to make a case for why can a place like Bradley – be consistent uh, in a place like Westlake, who was, I don't know, there was something like seven and 22. Mm. It's a boom and bust, a lot of places. Yeah. I'd rather have slowest, I'd rather have, I'd rather be knocking on the door every year than to have this high and then yeah. losing records. Well, it's something to be said for consistency. And like I said, it's hard to maintain, but you you and the the program and, and just the city and the, and the culture – uh, do a great job of that. I know some coaches who are listening are going to be wondering and want to ask this question. So I'll hit it. What is your style of play and has your style of play evolved over your time at head coach there? Or has it stayed fairly, fairly consistent? No, it's, <clears throat> it's, it doesn't evolve dramatically, but it's definitely draw. It's definitely changed over the years. I've changed, you know, there's an old saying, Matt, it's good coaches borrow, great coaches steal. Everything I know about basketball, I've stolen from someone else. Uh, and, you know, I grew up in Kentucky, so it used to be – I can remember hearing, you know, Kentucky men's basketball. Well, Kentucky's doing this, so next thing you know, the rest of the SEC is trying to mimic Kentucky. Well, they might not have three McDonald All-Americans starting. So it's all – you got to find out what's best for your team. Don't come and try to copy. I've had a couple of coaches come and watch us practice in the last couple of years or uh, in the – October, what we're we doing in October, September. I mean, come see what you do on a typical day. But, you know, I've told the guys and ladies who've done that, I said, don't, you can't just take what Jason Reuter's doing at Bradley Central and just throw it in your pro. Like we ran for the first time this year. We ran, uh, we worked on it all summer and uh, we, we ran a five out system about half the time. Of course, we still, uh, I'd say we're probably a good mixture of 50% motion, 50% man. Uh, when you got a, a freshman post, like I just told you about, uh, what do you think she shot from the field this year? Come on. Percentage, percentage yeah, this, wise. Yeah. This is playing, you know, we're not, you know, we're playing, we had some blowouts, but we're playing big girl basketball. Yeah, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 60%. 68.5. Wow. Yeah. So, obviously, I'd be a fool to not get the ball. <laughs> yeah. So, we ran some five out, and we, we ran some plays for her to get her the ball. And uh, 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 so, we've tried to play as fast as our talent will let us. I've had to change my pressing styles from year to year. I mean, I think, I think a good coach, you got to be careful. And whoever's listening out here, I have, I have wrote no books. I've wrote no – I've had no DVDs. Lord knows I've watched a lot of them. I haven't been to a clinic in two or three years. It's probably time for me to go back. But if you don't evolve with the time, if you just say, this is the way I've ran it, this way I'm always going to run it, it doesn't matter which – it don't matter if I've got a uh, Ryan Howard or i got this freshman standout. If you just say that's what we're going to do, then in high school I don't think – I don't think you can be uh, long-term successful. You've got to change. And on the flip side, I see guys who change every year. You know, they're running the Princeton one year and they're running uh, yeah. the five out. They're running, heck, we still run a little flex. We yeah. run flex just to, we have no shot clock. You yeah. guys, I've been to hear how that went this year. How did that go? Uh, well, we played with the year before our region voted on it. So I'd had 20 games with it uh, or 18 the previous year with it. And uh, um, yeah, I mean, the shot clock, 
I would say the year before we played a really fast style and I didn't even really think about it until nine games in. Um, this year it came into play a little more, uh, a lot of tight games, tougher competition, but realistically, um, you're really uh, the last few minutes, obviously you're a zone team. Someone's not going to hold the ball and pull you out, but you've also got to have some plays there. The ball goes out of bounds. You've got four seconds on the shot clock. You got to have some ways to get a, a shot quickly from a side inbounds or a baseline inbounds. Right. Um, but I think for teams who, um, want to play a zone style, they can stay in it late in the game, even down because you're going to have to take that shot. Um, I think that if you really want to change, speed it up, you maybe go to 30 seconds. But I tell you, we do a fouls differently as well. So yeah, I know, I did you did a, you play LFO, LFO? Yeah. Down there, I played them at home this season. I played down there last year. Yep. So, you know, the fouls start over every quarter. Um, and so you're not, you know, you've seen this a ton of times probably. Whereas, you know, you get put in the bonus with a couple minutes left in the first quarter, and then you're in the double bonus most of the second quarter. You're, you can shoot 20, 25 free throws in a game some nights. Uh, but here, with it starting over, and I think it really benefited teams that really pressure and get after it, could take a few more fouls, and it wasn't going to punish them because they're starting over at the end of the first and end of the third. But uh, I'm fine with the shot clock, and it's been a pain sometimes, even our region tournament game, uh, some technical difficulties and issues with the clock and – you know, we were in a game. Uh, I mean, you know, it was the, we lost in overtime, seventy-two, seventy-one in the season. Um, we were one game away from our state tournament, but you know, the shot clock was was wrong. It would glitch and go from thirty to twenty-five and jump, and you know, just little things like that. There's some growing pains. Um, you know, it. I'm glad we put ours in when we did because it's gotten really, really expensive. And I know that with some schools don't have the budget. Um, for it, but you know, I don't, I really don't think Tennessee's going to get it from what I can hear people talk and TW. So I don't think you guys are going to get it for a while. I don't think there's a big, big push for it, is there? Well, um, there's been a there was a survey sent out by the Tennessee uh, Basketball Coaches Association this year, and I actually had the head of TWSWA officials ask me, uh, this year at our rules meeting. He pulled me to the side and said, do you think we should have a shot clock or not? And I said, I'm, I'm really not leaning either way. I understand mm -hmm. why this is what they're going to play with at the next level. But, you know, when you've been around a while and people on the outside, like, that's the dumbest thing I never, you know, why don't you put it in? That's what they play with college. They play with pros. But you're right. Like, you got to have another clock operator. Yeah. That's $60 a night. you got to have – Here's another thing, and it's not just the, the two clocks and the hardware. You got to have a different horn, am I right? Yep. Yeah, and the horn oh, yeah. is the horn is within in, within the clock. But you know, we so we host a Christmas tournament every year, and it costs us about a thousand more dollars to run the tournament because officials are always getting more expensive over Christmas. They do more of a, a travel fee, and then it was about another nine hundred seventy dollars or so uh, for a shot clock operator for a 24, 24 game. So, if you're a school again, that maybe doesn't get a lot of fan support or you don't have a good budget or, you know, there's there's all types of schools around, the, around Georgia like that. Um, you add, you know, another 50 bucks for varsity girls and 50 bucks for varsity boys, 100 bucks a night, and you host, you know, 12 or 13 home-and-home home series. You know, it it's an expense. And then finding – we just went with having the officials association supply the, the person because I didn't – because we had a lot of people who were like, oh, I'll, I'll do the shot clock. But I didn't want to get into ever being, you know, shot clock errors late in the game are bad. But if you look over and you saw a home person sitting there, yeah. you know, I, I didn't want anything be questioned. And what if that person's sick? You got to train multiple people. I didn't want to deal with you any don't of have that. have a monitor. What about, um, let me ask you this, Matt. The way the rule is, the way I understand shot clock, if, hey, look, I'm down one point and I steal the ball from Gordon Lee. And I flip it out, and I got a breakaway layup. All I got to do is take five dribbles. If they don't stop that, start that shot clock. The referee has to blow the play dead. So if that clock is not started properly. Yeah. Can, I mean, so that's my fear, like you said. So you're telling me you brought in an official. 
Yes, who yeah. sat at the table. A lot of times it was a retired official. You know, you know, our, all of our officials are old. No one young is getting into it around here. But usually it was a retired official who don't want to get up and down the floor anymore. Or maybe it was a middle school official who wanted to do Friday or Saturday or Tuesday nights. Yeah. So we, and it, you know, but I think once they covered a little travel for them, it was roughly 50 bucks. And, you know, boys and girls, they don't do it for JV, thankfully. I mean, just because that would be a lot that if you did all four games, that would be a couple hundred bucks a night. But there was a lot of human error. And But here's what happened in Georgia. Let's say that I go over and play Ringgold, and Ringgold's clock is not working for whatever reason, right? The away team gets two technical free throws and the ball to start every quarter. Well, just think about that. Some some crazy thing happens with – you know, power board or or whatever, and then I get I get two free throws in possession four times. That could cost you the game. Thankfully, now that did happen in the region tournament, but the region tournament was at a neutral site, so it didn't come into play. But I remember, you know, there was a time in our region game, we uh, we blocked a shot and went out of bounds, and the, and the clock operator put it back to twenty five. But no, 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 it doesn't go back to twenty five. It, it stays where it is on eleven. So little things like that. You were you were constantly in a tight game. I was watching the shot clock, make sure it started right and was correct, and also the game. But, you know, I, I'm used to it now because I played, again, the previous season. I think 20 games, we had 18, we had 19, 10-team region, 18 games plus region tournament. Um, but if you have an older gym, uh, getting that set up and the electrical and all that, it, it's it's a pain. And, you know, yeah. you ask yourself, do you, does every school have another $5,000, $5,000, dollars lying around to do it? So, but anyway, yeah. I, 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 I think you see it here, Matt. Here's what I've been told by a couple of people in the know. I think we're going to get it. I think it's a couple of years away, but you're going to see us experiment at the 4A and 3A. Uh-huh. That makes sense. And then they'll go down to 2A and 1A. I do know that universities are putting it in their summer camps, like Middle Tennessee. Places mm-hmm. are equipped. This summer, we're going to play with a shot clock at a few places. Middle Tennessee State typically has the best team camp in Tennessee, and I know that they are going to be a test site. So it may be, it's probably coming a little quicker than you think. I think we're two years away from seeing 4A and 3A happen. Hmm. That's my yeah. opinion. Yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, that's probably true. And, you know, one thing about it is um, – I'm going to lose my train of thought here – with the shot clock – is the a lot of the people who are pushing it in Georgia and Atlanta were schools that have such high level kids? They're probably playing AAU with it anyway, right? Or yes. those teams play with such a fast pace, it really come really wouldn't come into play. So while I was thinking we're letting like the five or six guys who really want it, but if I go watch them play, and they're playing such a fast pace, and they're both playing man. Shots going up probably roughly every 11 or 12, 13 seconds with their style of play. Um, but you know, I don't, we I play very fast at Bradley central. It'd be exactly what you just said. Okay. I'm the type of guy that I got the ball with 30 seconds left at the end of the quarter, unless it's a blowout, I'm going to get the last shot. So now you'd have to think, okay, there's 38 seconds left. Do we want to hold it to the last shot? End of the, game, you know, we play not to lose. We play fast. We average 68.3 points a game this year, which is Pretty pretty good clip for a high school uh, thirty two minute game. So we'll play fast. I don't think ninety five percent of our possessions. I don't think it'd be an issue because of the way we play. Now you're right. We don't now we don't zone. We play man. We'll zone pressure a little bit. But uh, I'm just curious. Uh, all the things you're telling me is kind of what I thought would be the problem. Uh, but you know, I think it's inevitable. It's coming. And uh, you just adjust with it. And you're right, AAU, it's all over the place. So if they really want to speed the I game. Know, up, coach, I was talking to a coach. I'm not going to give her name because uh, I've already called her old, and that would get me in big trouble. <laughs> she goes, I don't want to learn how to coach a new way. She's like, I don't want the shot clock. You know, she's got two or three years on me, and she's a pretty, pretty highly successful coach. Yeah. She goes, I don't want to learn, you know, and I'm like, well, I mean, it, I, you could tell by my demeanor, I could care less at this point. Well, I could have easily, if you ask me to argue for it, I can do it very passionately. You want me to argue against it, I can do it very passionately. I'm fine with it. But, you know, from the financial perspective, from the human error perspective, because, I mean, the, these, the official who's running it, 
man, they, there's a, I'll tell you, there's a lot of errors and you've got to be watching that person because they will start that thing or forget to start it and the buzzer goes off accidentally, but the rep, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a growing curve, but it wasn't that big a deal coaching with it. You know, Here's I think the, if, the imagine if you were playing, let's say you're playing as you're going through a run that we had this year and you lose the Bearden game because of a shot clock violation. Yeah. Now, most, most, let's be honest. Most people are not in that type of game, They're, but uh, that's my fear of the human air. What do they do when we're watching this tournament, we're watching all year long? If they have a shot clock problem, they go to the what? To the monitor. Yeah. We ain't yeah, going to no have the monitor. Yeah. It's well, I'll tell you what happened with us and is in our Christmas tournament. Um, Cause I run the Christmas tournament. The sh- our shot clock would just would not work. Right. It just went out. And yeah. so I said, so the refs were the, the guy at the, at the table had a microphone and he would just start counting down 10, nine, eight. And I'm thinking this isn't feasible for one thing. If fans are loud, players aren't listening to a voice. And so I made a call, which I got overruled on. And I said, you know what, guys, it's a Christmas tournament. Let's just all all agree we won't have the shot clock because I don't want the guy at the table. I don't want to pay a guy 50 bucks at, at the table to just count 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. And I got overruled on it, and you know, which I thought was kind of ludicrous. And we got it going eventually. But, you know, it was you've got to have this thing. I here's what I think, and we can move on, is for a shot clock, I think. For like Christmas tournaments and Thanksgiving tournaments, because that's where a lot of us try to make money for our program. I think it should be optional for tournaments. Region play, yes, non-region games, but for a tournament, you know, again, that's another thousand bucks I've got to try to fundraise and come up with, which is a lot of money for us at, at, at Gordon Lee. Um, sure. So one last one last question before, before we get out of here, um, and I appreciate you coming on. I know you've 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 had a lot of requests for your time and and all that, so. When you win a championships, you won in 19, you won this year. What are your – when it's all over and you can kind of sit and enjoy it and you get all the radio interviews and podcasts and it's just kind of settled down a little bit, what are your thoughts kind of going to the next season? Are you thinking, well, we got to keep this sustained? We want to try to go back-to-back? Or do you even talk about the championship with the, with, with, with the next team? Although a lot of returners are on that team, but – how do you address that expectation wise? Yeah, well, the beat goes on. Uh, the beat goes on. Either you're, you know, the, I don't think you can do this. I've always told myself if I can't do this, like both feet in the water, if, you know, I, I hate to see a guy that hangs on or a female, uh, you know, I'm kind of, eh, well, I got to, I don't really want to be coaching, but I got to do it to, you know, for two or four more years or what? I, I just, I'm not that guy when I'm, I'm going to go all out and then I'm going to be done. And I don't know when that is. So yes, our goal. And I've heard people say, don't talk about winning championships. Just talk about, we talk about winning the next possession. We talk about winning the next practice, but uh, we, it's talked about quite a bit. And, you know, I'm going to say it's not a daily thing, but it's definitely weekly. You're busting your butt. You know, we're lifting in the, We'll take this this week, and we'll take next week off, and we're back in the weight room. So that's that's basically three weeks off from the last game. And of course, I got kids in AAU, and everybody on my roster is not a standout player. I can promise you, whatever the th- thought is. I played six. I had some talented girls over there, but we were able to pull it off playing six in the finals. And uh, so, I think that at Bradley Central, you point to the banners and you talk about the history and I do talk to my kids probably more than most about you understand winning state championship. It doesn't change you. doesn't change who you are, but it will change your life in a positive way. You know, there's, there's, like I told you, we won at 19. I mean, there's, there's 70 former bands that come back for that celebration. That's just, you know, that's not a big number. I mean, there's 15 or there's, 1,500 people in the gym. There's 70 ex-players that came back. So I think when you're at a place like Bradley, you have to talk about the history and you have to talk about, do you want to be considered, you know, 
I, I, I dangled Ryan Howard in, in 19. Do you don't think I didn't dangle that over their head? You guys can't win without Ryan Howard. Everybody says she's, you know, she, she's the greatest player maybe to ever play here. And they, they just, they just, they got where they, when I said that, they, they fumed, Matt. They were like, they love Ryan Howard. You understand? They love Ryan Howard. But they were like, yes, we can. And we won the state championship the next year, but we wouldn't have won it without her. She would let us, she allowed us to play nationally ranked teams. She allowed us to take these kids to venues. And quite frankly, uh, even though uh, after we won it, I told her and I texted her. She was at the University of Kentucky, and I think maybe she could te text me first for mom. And I'm like, we don't win this without Brian Howard coming here. So the torch is kind of passed on. Uh, these seniors did a great job of leading. The younger kids bought in. So the work ethic, the weight room, they know, you know, your freshman year, you might get a pass or two, like, I I didn't know we've already we planned a vacation to uh, West Palm Beach and it's right during when we're going to team camp and I, I I didn't know my mom didn't know my dad's you might get a pass that on your freshman year you don't get that after your freshman year Bradley we go to summer ball you're gone now you, you know, all of us know AAU they get, we get June they get July so I think the standard. The standard is set. This is what it takes. Like you don't miss practice. You better call. You better have a. You better be calling me an hour, two hours before, and you better be 102 temperature. You know, sometimes you tell kids just. You know, I've had some tough girls that like, Coach, my stomach's upset. I got 101 temperature. You want me to come in? No, stay at home. But I know that these kids would. They'd run through a wall for our program. So, uh, yes. Matt, we do talk about championships. We do talk about winning. We try to win, and we take it step by step. We talk about winning the district, winning the district tournament, which I know you guys don't have, winning the region tournament, winning the sub-state. Uh, I left out Christmas tournament. We plan on winning every – our goal is where we go. We went to Charleston, South Carolina this year. Played in the Carolina Invitational. And we there's eight different levels – and with this team, what level do you think we played in? We played in the highest, which we should. Yeah. And we won. And we had a really good, as a team, uh, Cardinal Gibbons out of Raleigh, North Carolina. They played us in the semis to like a 10 point game. And, and they were really good. Last time I checked, they were max prep. Once again, it's kind of, it's not. Totally accurate, but they were like the 11th best team in North Carolina. So we try to take them, get them challenged. Uh, we're not trying to pad our record. We, we've been lucky, but uh, there's some teams in our district are not very competitive. So we have to go out and find some competition. That's a fine line between how much do you travel? You know, we, we raise a lot of money. You're talking about money. Yeah, people may assume – Big school, all the, look, I've got some friends that own businesses that donate money, but we have to raise quite a bit of money to be able to travel to. Uh, we went to Phoenix, Arizona in December of 18, Nike Tournament Champions. We went to Naples the next year. Uh, I don't even know where we're going to go this year. Uh, last year we went to Charleston. So we, we try to treat these kids. We try to take them and let them experience a little culture. You know, you're talking about, I mean, how many kids have seen the Grand Canyon from Cleveland, Tennessee, you know, and that's an extreme trip, but we're trying to prepare them, enjoy the journey. You know, you need to smell the roses along the trip, but we're trying to get them ready. Everything I do is geared around trying to win that gold ball, that gold ball. That's everything I do. If it's not helping us, and we're not going, look, I've won two in 13 years. I may never win another one. But it, your purpose has to be, this is what we're after. If you come up short, you didn't fail. You didn't fail. I mean, we lose. It's my fault just as much as his kids. So it's one of these deals that I know I've rambled on, but it, yes, we talk about winning championships. And I know some coaches disagree with that. They said, that's too much pressure. I'm not sitting there before the tip-off of the state championship, uh, Matt, and going like, this, it, this is win or all else, like, you know, what those kids need right then is like, you don't have to rise up. You just got to keep playing basketball like you have all year. 
You don't need to be superwoman. You just need to be tough, gritty bats and stick to our game plan. And guess what? If you lose, that's not going to change our relationship at all. If you win, we're going to celebrate for three or four weeks and back at it, back at it. So what you do in the off season is probably going to correlate to what you get during the season. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, well, Coach, I think that's a great way to, to take us out uh, with those, those those words there and what, how you guys handle those expectations. Again, I know you're uh, been beckoned by a lot of people for interviews. Thanks so much for jumping on with us tonight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we look forward to following you guys next year, and I'll, I'll have to check out what day. What day are you going to be on the Talk Monster here? Uh, tomorrow at three yeah. thirty. Yeah, yeah, I'll make sure I tune it in. Yeah, I'm going to have a couple of girls with me, and uh, that'll be fun. Uh, Quake and uh, Cowboy Joe. Yeah, I think there's a little competition with ESPN Radio down there. What is it? Uh, I don't know if you listen to that. I used to. I'm not sure they they switched stations. It was like 105. I don't know what 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 they moved. 95.7. Yeah. I've been loyal to 102.3 since I moved here in 2008. I, I've been on the show a couple of times talking about different things. I like those guys, and they've been consistent. Um. So, but yeah, Pasco got me on the uh, a call in for ESPN Radio Chattanooga, but I'm going to go down personally. To, uh, yeah. To, uh, yeah. And the and the ESPN guys do a great job. I just like the consistency of Quake and Cowboy. They've been doing it forever together. Yeah. And I, I just kind of like how they do it. And they have they know each other well and they know the area well. And I always like listening to that Friday night red zone football. Even yeah. though I'm not a foot, even though I'm not a football uh coach, I always like listening to hear what's going on in North Georgia and Tennessee and yeah. still have my close ties in Chattanooga. Certainly. Well, coach, I appreciate it. Absolutely. My pleasure. We got to talk a little basketball and I can always talk a little basketball. I mean, you know, I want you to understand this is very flattering for people to ask me to come on here. I, I want you to know that without the kids I have, I mean, you wouldn't be talking. And right. I've been blessed with a lot of good kids and, uh, you know, obviously we're doing something right, but I want to give the credit. To, it's, it's, a, it's about players and, you know, obviously coaches have something to do with that, but, uh, Love my girls. Love my players. That's awesome. Well, maybe we do it again sometime before the season or next year. We can do this once a year or so. Let's make it a date. Hey, right. hopefully uh, March right after the championship. Maybe. I'd love to be talking to you next year, and, and you've got a gold ball. Heck, I'd like to have one too. <laughs> Good luck to you. I'll be keeping up with you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Okay. See you, Matt.